Welcome to FinTech Family Hour. This is Zach Anderson Pettit, Content Director at Money 2020 by Day and your host by night. Today we have the dream episode. That's right. We have Kristen Anderson, our magnanimous co-host, coming to you live with one of my and our favorite humans, Jane Barrett, Chief Advocacy Officer at M. X. And the clincher? I'm not even on the episode. How could it get it even better? I had the pleasure of food poisoning, but nevertheless, they persisted. This was on the final day of Money 2020. This episode is brought to you by FS Vector, the firm for innovative financial services. And now coming to you live but late from the Money Pot Podcast booth at Money 2020 2023. That's a lot of twos. Here's Kristen and Jane. Hello, everyone from Money 2020, 2023. Uh, I am here with Jane Barrett, uh, and we're not going to talk about her career. Um, If you don't know Are You Human, you're about to get to know it very well. Uh, You may be missing one voice on this podcast, and that is Zachary Anderson Pettit, who unfortunately is sick this morning. Uh, It is the last day of Money 2020, so we're pretty sure it's a hangover, but he like really (laughs) insists that it's not. He's been working hard. Yeah, he has been working hard. If you have seen Zach around Money 2020, you know he is everywhere all the time, Mm -hmm. all at once, on stage, off stage, and uh, we certainly wish him a quick recovery on that. Um, and hopefully a little bit of rest in the next yeah. couple of days. And you'll miss Zach. We can also do a take two. You know? I know. We we'll do a hours. second one. I know. <laughs> I, we seriously could talk for hours. And uh, yeah, and maybe we'll do one when it's not like morning and we're all like a little bit, you know, we got to do one with, over whiskey. Oh, that's a good idea. That's that's going to be version two. Okay. Yeah, I think we need the part one and the part two because you can kind of get some of the early stories <laughs> out and then you go deeper on the second the second time around. <laughs> Messy stories. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They're harder when you're like in a brightly lit room with a bunch of coffee. So mm-hmm. it's like we need those and stories. 20,000 eyes outside. I know, I know. I know we're in a glass box right now at Money 2020. It's in the what's called the money pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have a live audience for uh, one of the first times ever, I think, for this podcast, which is very fun. Um, so we're going to jump right in. Get to know Jane just a little bit better. Um, do you want to give the like 10 second overview of like who you are and why you're so important? And then we'll stop talking about that forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole 10 second podcast. And with That's it. Jane's real important. Moving on. <laughs> Working really fast, 10 second backwards. Currently, uh, executive at MX. Have been there for five years. Have been a fintech founder for five years before that. It's actually my 10 year fintech anniversary, oh. like almost this week. Oh. So that's kind of awesome. That is awesome. Um, and then before that, had a whole different career on Madison Avenue as president of a big agency and had, um, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but um, had a long career in the marketing tech and comms world. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's start with the fun stuff. Where are you from uh, and what was your childhood like? Oh, man. Uh, so I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. Second um, Australian guest, for those of you who really? are following along. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sasha Pilch, who's a oh, VC at... at she's, um, she's so great. Yeah, so we're big on the Australians here. We asked her all the dumb Australia questions, so oh, we can save thanks, you from those. Yeah, <laughs> she took all the like, were there like rattlesnakes and <laughs> spiders? So you tell us the fun part about Melbourne. Um, so I'm one of eight kids. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Where in the birth order? Number four, overlook my little child. Mm-hmm. Love to hear. <laughs> um, very much blue collar family. My dad yeah. was an electrician, mom was a teacher. And uh, so, yeah, it was a 
a very, at that point, it looks like paradise now, but you know, at that <laughs> point it was it, blue collar suburban, yeah. um, very fun, as you can imagine, chaotic, which yeah. just sets you up for things like this when there's eight kids around, uh-huh. um, childhood. But I also, as much as Melbourne is a magnificent city, I had a yearning from a very young age to get out. So I would look yeah. up at the planes in the sky and go, why aren't I on them? Wow. And careful what you wish for, because now I'm on one like every other day I know, for decades. I know. Isn't that funny? What was the uh, gender split, boys and girls? Five boys, three girls. Okay, so pretty yeah. even and weren't yeah. stuck with all boys or something like that. No. Yeah. It does teach, I was talking about this last night, it does teach you to be pretty tough though. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. I bet. Lots of brothers. I have no brothers, just one sister. Uh, I'm sure it was like so quiet. Families yeah. who had like multiple kids, I think always like intimidated me. I'd go over and there'd just be like chaos all around. See, I had the opposite. I'd go like my husband only has one yeah. sister and I'm like, why is it so quiet? Yeah. <laughs> How do you have one conversation yeah. that goes for half an hour? I'm so confused. <laughs> you have three cousins total. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. What's your extended family? I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Most important question. Who's your favorite sibling? Oh, come on. Yeah. I know there is one. Okay, picked up two. <laughs> They're all special. <laughs> Love them all. Are they? Are same, they? Mostly, as I say to my own kids, same, same, but different. Yeah. Are they all mostly in Australia still? Or uh, are they yeah, I've got out? one brother in the UK. Uh, I have mm-hmm. one, my youngest brother. Yeah, I can say he's my favorite because he did pass away. So okay. no one can hold That's that fair. against yeah, me. Yeah, nobody can be mad about that. <laughs> so um, yeah, one brother yeah. in the UK and everyone else is in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So when did you leave? So I left for the first time when I was 18. Mm-hmm. I had done, I started college early. I'd done one year of college and I was like, I'm way too young to be doing this. So I bought a one, I didn't, so when I say I bought, I went to my local credit union. There's going to be a red thread here. Uh, I went to my local credit union, which my father was one of the founding members of, even though he's an electrician, like he, yeah. would, he was, yeah. uh, he was right out there from the beginning of the credit union. And at that point I'd worked in like some bars and a supermarket and I was like, can I borrow to go to London. And they're like, okay. (laughs) So I got a one-way ticket to London when I was 18 years old. And you worked in bars before that? Now we know we're in Australia. (laughs) Now we know we're in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, so I traveled the world, came to spend a few months in London. Wait, hold on. You said you knew you were too young for college, but you were old <laughs> enough to fly by yourself one way and like travel the world. I did ask my mom about that. I'm like, I was a child. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, yeah, but I couldn't stop you. Yeah, so that's interesting. True. Yeah. So, so went to London. Went to London. I had a summer job in New York. Mm-hmm. So I found my people. Yeah. At 18, I was like, Oh, this is this is my people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a swim instructor in a day camp. Oh, for summer. how fun! It was pretty great. Then I trained across Canada, trained across Europe, went back to Melbourne, finished college, worked for five minutes, and then moved to Asia. Yeah. When you say trained, you mean trained. oh yeah, so you mean like rode in a train? Yeah. I was like, were you like an ultra marathoner? <laughs> I ran across Europe, Honestly, just like it took a day or two. That would be pretty cool. I, you know what, you guys, if you don't anything about Jane, like that wouldn't surprise you. You'd be like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> well, this is this is the Canada. first money twenty twenty in a while where I don't have a marathon the week after, so yeah. like an actual running marathon. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it was pretty awesome to be able to yeah. not regret uh-huh. every step that I took in heels. Uh huh. Uh huh. You. <laughs> wear heels at money 2020 i'm just showing what i mean you know three or four inches oh my gosh you guys i mean they're big old clunky motorbike boots if yeah you're thinking me as somewhat dainty it's not <laughs> yeah yeah I, I so i'm i'm five foot eleven i'm like what is that one point 
almost 1.8 meters, I guess. And, and you're just call it two. Yeah. Just round up. Close enough. Yeah, two meters. Uh, so yeah, I don't wear heels ever, <laughs> ever. I just like never and wear yet you're them. And still taller than all of us. Yeah. That's kind of the thing is like when I do wear heels, I feel like absurd. <laughs> like I feel absurd. <laughs> I really do feel for men who are like six, three or something like that. Like you, there are conversations where you're like kind of bending down when it's mm-hmm. like loud and like, especially as a woman, it's kind of embarrassing. Hmm. So uh, I, 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 it's like a, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I'm like, oh, these like beautiful shoes, they make your legs look great. And like, you know, but they're just not for me. Uh, <laughs> Zach wishes he could be part of this conversation. I, I bet know he it. does because he <laughs> loves wearing high heels. <laughs> he does. Zach it really so loves wearing. I know he looks great. Just <laughs> really tones the legs, just like everything, everything. <laughs> Why go to the gym when you can just, you know, pop on some heels? I so know. Cool. I know. Walk around money 2020. For all the women who are here in heels, Bless God you. bless you all. Yeah, yes. seriously. You're insane. Yeah. All of us are insane. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am uh, I am currently in a baseball hat, a uh, sweatshirt, and Nikes. So I did not go that route. I did two days in sneakers. So. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. You have to. Okay. So you trained as in rode the train. I rode That's the train. fun. Yes. Uh, got to see got to see the world, got to see all the beautiful places uh, across Canada. My grandmother is from Canada. My husband's from Canada. Oh. We had full circle. Oh yeah. Two uh to two immigrant family, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What okay, this is totally an aside. What was the what was the visa process like? How did you guys both end up here? Or like because he was Canadian, they were kind of like, yeah, close enough yeah. with a wink. Yeah, you can you just blend in. But yeah. Um, no, well, we met in Malaysia, actually. Wow. So that was my my post travels post school uh, took a one year contract in Malaysia. Yeah, and that was in 1997 in so, Kuala Lumpur. In Kuala Lumpur. Wow. So he was working there for a Canadian company. I was working there for a French company. Expats, Expats in love. Expats in love. Oh. in the same building. I had a bunch of Canadian friends. They're like, you could kind of meet Peter. He's so great. Oh. And I was like, I'm good. I've met enough Canadians. Thanks. And they're like, Peter lives in your building. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Then like Peter lives upstairs from me. I'm like, well, that's really weird. That is so cute. Yeah. That is so cute. Because you had, oh, you like yeah. made the choice to live somewhere so different mm-hmm. from home and like just an easy way to get shared values mm-hmm. and like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So we spent probably the next seven years in Asia and then moved to New York with my work. So it was yeah. an L1 visa. And then that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Where, so you were in Kuala Lumpur for all that time or no, were you? KL for two years, Singapore for a year and then Hong Kong for four I love Hong Kong. I know, it's, really it's such a cool place. Mm-hmm. It is such a cool place. Uh, I haven't been in a decade, I guess. Yeah, you've, but you've lived all over too. I have, yeah. I Well, yeah, n- not early in my life, but as you know, between, I guess between like 18 and 25, I did a lot of living around. It's the best time to travel. Yeah, it is. You're unencumbered. Yeah. You're okay sleeping on trains. Yeah, you can get comfortable like yeah. most places and like you can budget pretty mm-hmm. well. And a lot of the world is a lot cheaper than mm-hmm. than the yeah. U.S. So uh, yeah, I lived in Argentina when I was in college uh, in Buenos Aires. And then I went to grad school in London, finished in Shanghai, did a little bit of traveling around Shanghai, but everyone's always like, oh, you speak Mandarin? I don't. Did you learn anything? I know, I uh, know. My husband speaks Mandarin, and, but, yeah. but I, I could speak like taxi Cantonese. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I learned how to say like beer and thank you. Thank you was a big one. I was always, you know, but I I have said this before, but I think it's such a good experience to be somewhere where you don't speak the language. You build such a respect for Mm -hmm. people who like live in a second language and like you realize how much of an asshole you are when you're just like pointing at things on menus. and like, sorry, I cut in the one word. Yeah. I know. And that's the thing in the professional setting. 
we have, you know, I would work with people that English was their fourth language, right? right? Cantonese, Mandarin, right. Hokkien, and then English. And I was like, and yet here I am talking, and I did slow down a yeah. lot in terms, of, but here yeah. I am just talking, expecting us to know these big strategic concepts for you in your uh-huh. fourth language. So I know. Awesome. I know. I, I spoke Spanish much better than I do currently after living in Argentina. My first job, I had a bunch of coworkers who were from all over Latin America and they would like speak Spanish in the office. And I felt like I could never understand because they were talking about like innovation words. And so it was just like vocabulary that I had just like never learned. And I like thought I spoke Spanish and I was like, wow, I nothing. there's just like a whole category mm-hmm. of words around like business process optimization that I was like, what are they talking about right now? Like, yeah. And yeah. then you add slang into that and oh, shortening man. words. And I was just like nothing but respect. And accent and tone mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What's your favorite city in Asia? Like, that's a huge, like, let me give you half the world yeah. and tell me where's the best spot. <laughs> um, I loved living in KL just yeah. because like the food, the people, it was just, and it yeah. was such an amazing time. Like it was really that just hyper growth. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Tokyo. I love Tokyo. People, people rave about <laughs> Tokyo. So I good. haven't been. I haven't been. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I lived in New York, but I feel like I'm still intimidated by Tokyo a little bit. Because like, I mean, even Beijing, I felt like my brain just exploded with the scale. Yeah. Like, it's just really hard. Yeah, to, the scale is insane. Yeah. You but but it's extremely well organized. It's so clean. Yeah. It's so respectful. It's so quiet. I mean, I have a lot of colleagues there. So I was there yeah. this summer and yeah. met up with some of my old colleagues and just my heart exploded again. I'm like, oh, yeah. I love this place. Yeah. Okay. So you lived all over Asia, then settled in New York. And I know the tiny bit of this because we're talking about it before we started recording, but you had three kids in Mm -hmm. New York City. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what was that like? Highly recommend. Yeah. Strong, strong fan. Again, it was a little sort of orange (laughs) to the new black because we had three kids in a two-bedroom apartment, which when they're really small, it's fine. Yeah. You can... You know, put them stack in a corner them. and they're fine. Yeah. And, then, and then, yes, then we stacked them yeah. in a prison style. Yeah. But yeah, once they were, we left the city I've, uh, when I had twins when they were 11 and then my youngest was nine. But so they went, yeah. you know, to the, the older ones went to middle school. This year, middle school there. Went wow. to, the schools were great. Neighborhood was awesome. Everything you need within two blocks, highly recommend. The, the, the oh. big difference now we moved from uh, New York to Utah is just the amount of crap in your life increases exponentially. Yeah, so stuff. <laughs> it's the stuff. And it's amazing that you got through the, the early years without all the stuff. Mm-hmm. That's usually known as being the time that you have the most like stuff. Well, and we lived in a fourth floor walk-up just to oh, yeah. put a, a big exclamation point on it. So we have yeah. this, whatever we bring in, we have to bring out, right. number one. Right. And uh, we'd prefer to have space versus jamming every corner. So you just, you know, you make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is something about the like ruthless prioritization. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nice. Yeah. So I recently moved from New York to Boston and we doubled our square footage. So we're not in a huge place, but it's like we have enough room now for two kids and work, to work from home. That's the other thing. Oh, we both work from yeah, home. We couldn't have done that. Yeah. So, you know, we have a little bit more space, but it's just the little decisions where you're like, we could buy 14 rolls of paper towels. That's fine. <laughs> you know, and then it's just like it starts to pile up in mm-hmm. the cupboards and mm-hmm. the... Okay. Um, let's see. I think the next area I want to go is I want to understand your attitude towards animals as a New Yorker. Mm. How do you feel about pets? So... 
as an Australian and as someone oh, yeah. who loves dogs yeah. and space, I thought it was kind of mean to have dogs in the city. Yeah, I agree. Especially it's like they all they have is concrete and like infinite smells. I know. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. I know. When you go to like like Madison Square Park has the little dog park now. I don't know if you've seen it recently. Right. It's really cute, cute. But like the big dogs, like yeah. you're like, this is not big enough for a big dog. Yeah. Maybe the little pocket-sized dogs, I guess. But yeah, I've kind of... Yeah. I think the pets get as neurotic as many of their owners because yeah. they just, they never get to run. Like, and if you think, I don't, I'm making this stat up, but yeah. say dog's sense of smell is 10,000 times stronger Something than like ours. That, yeah. And New York smells a lot. Yeah. Right? Their poor brains must just like explode. I know. I know. No, we actually love it when you make up stats on this podcast. <laughs> like, we do 10, know. 10,000 yeah. is a fact. It is. Yeah. 10,002 actually is the exact <laughs> number. Yeah. We do no fact checking. <laughs> Good. Uh, none of, so far, as far as I know, none of our listeners have ever fact checked us. Uh, so, so you I think, could be bringing some awesome scam out of some here. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. That, that does not reflect the view of either of our employers. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's like PR people behind me. And we're yeah. like, no, like, stop talking. <laughs> um, no, we did get a dog when we moved to Utah. Oh, and good. he's like an Australian cattle dog slash rescue. Like Cute. he's got a bit of everything. And he he won the dog lottery. He literally, yeah. he has the best life. Like he's got this giant space to openly run, no fence. Yeah. He's, he, and he travels across the country in a car with us to our place in Canada for summers. So. Yeah. He gets, he's a bi-coastal dog. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. He's amazing. Are your kids like obsessed with him? Yeah, we all are. Like, yeah. He's, he's the favorite child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <kids. laughs> oh, favorite, oh, favorite they would sibling. agree. No. They would agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who, who do we love the most? It's the dog. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, what, what's the, your craziest Australian animal story? Sticking on animals. Oh, God. It's a long story, but yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go pretty fast. Um, I've been out to a bar one night and I had a girlfriend staying over at my house. This is uh, before I'd left Melbourne. I heard, like, I just went to bed and I heard, Jane, this scream. And I thought she screamed. I'm like, what's the matter? And she's like, what? What do you mean? Nothing. I was like, well, that's weird. And so we're chatting about it. I'm like, what is on my, what's on my face? <sighs> and my, like, my jawbone was, like, really hot. And I was like, oh, well. And I went to bed and I got up the next day and it was, like, this coin-sized bite on my <gasps> jaw. And I went to the doctor. I'm like, I think this is bad. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's a white-tailed spider bite. <gasps> now, white-tailed spiders will cause... And I'm going to make up the word. I think it's necrosis that your skin oh, will yeah, ulcerate. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. And if you react to the poison, that's what's going to happen. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be <gasps> Jawbone Jane. My jawbone's going to be hanging out. And the doctor's like, well, that's weird because normally these these spiders come and like feed on you. I'm, it's a surprise that they're on your, it was on your face because usually they'll go for knuckles where your skin is then. Uh-huh. Every one of my knuckles on my fingers and toes had bite marks. <gasps> I really, this this guy had been coming and beating on me. And then I clearly didn't go home for like a week. Um, oh, I, I went, oh, I went, oh, <laughs> it was just oh like itching. God. So when I finally <laughs> did go back to the house, like in a hazmat suit, this spider was on the top of my bed just waiting for me. Oh, like, hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Okay, what yeah. size spider are we talking about? I mean, about? not huge. Not huge. Like, um, yeah, probably the size you don't have a 50 cent piece. We know. used to, don't, don't we? Do you? We used to. You think I'd know after all these years? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we used to, but maybe okay. it's out of circulation. It, yeah, a big coin. Yeah, that's pretty, that is pretty big. I got it. I mean, like in, in terms of like something on your face yeah. and like... And then just a, <gasps> a sidebar story is um, there's this animal called a cassowary that should not exist. In the modern world, it's like this big prehistoric emu with these like big oh. sharp claws. I only just, 
I saw one and I was like, I, I need to leave this country and never come back. Oh my God. <laughs> so you were like young, you were like a teenager then when that happened? Yeah, like, yeah just straight out of school, straight out yeah. of college. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so did you, so you like woke yourself up screaming Jane yeah, I in think your own that's head? What it was. I think it's what it was. It's like, you know what? Yeah, you're the one of the few people that asked that follow-up question yeah. because it's like, who woke me up? Yeah. It wasn't Pam. Yeah, it was the spider. It was the spider. <laughs> it's a real live spider. <laughs> right in your little ear. Just kind of. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, okay. So when I, uh, when I lived in Argentina, uh, there are like as many crazy animals in Argentina, but it, you know, the infrastructure of the city is, I don't know. I guess now living in New York, I'm like, actually, mm. New York's kind of terrible. Kind of falling yeah. apart too. Yeah. yeah. So I was, uh, it was a homestay program. So I was like sitting on my my bed in, in my, you know, host mom's apartment. And I like, you know, my hair was kind of tickling my my shoulder. So I sort of brushed it off. And then like, it was still tickling. I like looked down and there was like a three inch long cockroach, like oh. crawling across my chest. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, alone so in the house at the time. Right. And so like, I, I flicked it off. <laughs> And then, you know, then you're like looking at it and you're like, well, I got I to gotta kill this thing, right? And, you know, for those of you not experienced in killing cockroaches, like the big one, like they're hard to kill. Oh, yeah. Like There's it's a like, reason they've survived since Oh, man, times. like you feel like you have to put some aggression into it. Like you have to like break their little exoskeletons and it is really vicious. And like I was, you know, 19 and just like terrified of this bug. It was just a bug. But like when it's <laughs> You burned like, the house down from there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, it's bedtime now. <laughs> like okay what are you gonna do like what do you sit up all night like how do you like yeah. make your mind feel okay yeah. about it yeah you need to ask everyone your craziest animal story question yeah that before. is a good one it's a really good although one. i Yours feel like good. that's not okay yeah the, Austra- the australia bit though i feel like gives you a whole like bigger breadth of like possible stories yeah. that are gonna be like pretty interesting yeah. yeah any good animal stories from other countries oh i mean asia i'm sure you have some pretty good ones from there too yeah, I mean, the obligatory monkey took your sunglasses. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Anything shiny. You yeah. only make that mistake once and then you see every tourist with their like shiny things everywhere. Oh, they're like, I can't like, believe the monkey took my phone. It's like, you're not getting that back. You're like, I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You did say that Kuala Lumpur had amazing food. Mm. Talk to me about the food. What's the, what's the must-try so dish? The street food. Mm. Even more so than the fancy restaurants, but mm-hmm. fancy restaurants are amazing. But you could go to, and food is, it's a topic the way that like weather is for English people. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. So people will say, have you eaten? And, and yeah. me, just dumbass Jane, would be like, no. And they'd be like, oh. And then they walk away. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> but the, it's a topic of conversation. Have you eaten? Where did you go? Yeah. What did you eat? How much did you pay? There's a better stall down the street. Like it's this amazing yeah, 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 like yeah. topic of conversation. So yes, the the street food, I would probably err on the side of the Indian street food, like tandoori mm-hmm. chickens mm. and nuts. And, oh my God, so good. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you got to go back? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a big while. We were we were hoping to, to sort of do an Australia slash yeah. Asia yeah. trip before all of my children leave the house. But yeah. who knows? But yeah. It's hard to get all that organized. I used to go back for work to Asia. I had global jobs for a long time and it was just... Come on, like MX. Home. Get yeah, on Right? <laughs> Open up the KL office. <laughs> Staff of one. It's Jay. Right, right, right. Just hanging out. <laughs> Eating street food. All day long. Tandoori yeah. chicken all day. Oh, that actually sounds really good. Yeah. And that then these things that don't really... They don't even really translate like yeah. popia, which would be a cross between like a rice paper roll and 
I don't know, like deep vegetable things, but yeah. just like the most tasty sort of salty, sweet, crunchy, healthy, yeah. amazing. Yeah, just like tons of fresh mm-hmm. produce and mm-hmm. like, and put all that in your food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you feel about the food in London? Oh, what's it Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Londoners, but it's overpriced. And kind of yeah. Sad. Overpriced, I think, is a good way to put it. I always felt there like was good food in London, mm-hmm. but it was like very expensive. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. You go to the Yeah. The you good can find good food. Great. But you can't find good food cheap. No. No. Yeah. And in fact, you can find a lot of really ordinary food expensive too. Like yeah. it's just the yeah. fried and the, and, and this is sort of Australian privilege as well. Yeah. When you have like really fresh food, yeah. very freely available, like great fish, great mm-hmm. everything. Again, what I would pay in a, okay place in Australia, I'd be paying top end for the same quality. Yeah. How did you find it? So uh, I was a student, so I didn't have a lot of money. Found the I found the things at, at sort of Sainsbury's that you could get for like ninety nine p. Lots of M and S sandwiches. Yeah, and honestly, the groceries weren't that expensive. Eating out was a lot more expensive. So very plain diet because that was you know what I could afford at, at the time. But yeah, I remember I went on spring break when I was in grad school to Barcelona, and it's like you just like you yeah. just like arrive and you're like fruit flavor. <laughs> fruit and this tomato tastes like tomato right right like yeah oh like that's a that's a pineapple i haven't seen a pineapple in a year now there is something to be said for sort of the like local cuisine sometimes it does freak me out that you can like get all sorts of produce year round in boston like Mm. it's just a little bit yeah there's like you know you know i i like pineapple but like maybe i shouldn't be having pineapple in february like it's probably it's, it's a good ethical choice for the world. Yeah, yeah, I think as a bigger statement, or maybe I should just live somewhere where they can do it. Now, do you know about the bananas in Iceland? I don't. Okay, so one of the biggest exports in Iceland is bananas. Wait, what? How? Uh-huh. Okay, so this is like a cool fact. I went to Iceland once for four days and learned this fact. Maybe I'm making this up too. No, but I, <laughs> I love these made up facts. It's the best. No, I, I am sure all of our Icelandic listeners uh, who are women walking off the job protesting right now, equal pay, way to go. I know, lead the way, Icelandic women. Yeah, but um, Iceland has all these geothermal springs. And so they've created all these greenhouses. Of course, they yeah. can grow anything. They can grow anything. Huh. They keep them, you know, 70, 75 degrees and can like grow bananas year round. And so like they actually export a lot, like a lot of the bananas in, in um uh, in the UK are from Iceland. Oh, it is kind of like uh, real estate fantasy to have like my own onsen. Can you imagine like a hot spring in your backyard? Oh. And then you could like, that would, that's, yeah. there are hot springs in Utah. I don't think there's any in my backyard. Maybe. I know, maybe, maybe bring if it, I dig real yeah, deep. <laughs> bring, it, bring in someone to, to check that out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they like, and they also use the geothermal to like warm the streets. So they don't like salt. You know how like the New York, you get salt all yeah. over and it like ruins everything. Boots and like, yeah, everything. Uh, no, they don't have to because they just run hot water under the streets. It's amazing. Iceland is an awesome They're place. living in 2050. They are. They really are. <laughs> they are limping away. along in 1950 over here. <laughs> God, if we're lucky, <laughs> let's just like not go any further back than that, please. What's your favorite dish to cook? Are you a big cook? Um, I like to cook on weekends. Yeah, um, that's a good answer. I am very, very <laughs> fortunate that my husband takes the majority of like raising kids, yeah. cooking, Amazing. taking care of everything. But I like to cook for uh, for fun. Yeah. And when I say cook, it's more like assemble. Yeah. I, I like, you know, I'll cook a few things and then throw them in a big giant salad. Yeah. That gets really boring for everyone else, but I love it. Yeah. I make what I want to eat. 
How do the kids eat? Are they? Are they They're eat? really good eaters. Well, because awesome. they're New Yorkers, right? So that's they were. True. That's true. Their first restaurant they went to at like you know seven days old. Of course, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I took my firstborn to a restaurant uh, like two two days after she was born, the day after I left the hospital, because I was like determined to like not change my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who has kids is laughing right now. Anyone who doesn't is like, no, good for you. No, yeah, Yeah. come on. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to live the same life that I lived before. I'm just going to two days out of the hospital, one day out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, this is, this is fine. Or maybe go to bed. Yeah, no, I was like, really? Okay. Okay. Now we get to talk about kids. This, this is going to be fun. So I have a two day old baby. I'm getting brunch. Uh, And this was 2021. So it was still like recently COVID, Mm -hmm. uh, but I was just so determined not to like be a, you know, be like that person. Yeah, stuck and like I can't do any, you know. And so I uh like had to go to the bathroom at one point and like, you know, like right after you have a kid. So it's like I tried to like stand up and then like the baby started crying, which like right after you have a baby, like makes your body react. And I was just like in a public restaurant, just like basically needing to be hospitalized again. And it was just like the worst experience. And I was just like crying in the bathroom, which again, the hormones are all over the place. And this like older woman walks in and she's like, it's okay. And I was like, you know, bless these. No, I know. I was like, it's not, but it will be. It will be. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. No Uh, one tells you. And I should have known, like when you do the tour of the hospital and you see these beautiful pregnant women, like just bountiful, like filled with life and shiny. And then you see the women who've given birth and they all look like they got hit by a bus. Yeah. They're like shuffling. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to be me. I'm like all healthy. Yeah, I'm going to pop up. No, we all got hit by a bus. I'm going to run a marathon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. internally hit by a bus. Yeah, Yeah. it is is wild. It is so hard for people to empathize. I'm sure Zach would want to be a part of this conversation too. Childbirth is definitely what our listeners are looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you started with twins. Yeah. How... It was um, <laughs> it was a lot. Remember that fourth floor walk up? By about month seven, my husband had to like push me up by my butt and up the stairs. Oh <laughs> like, my this, God. this is a lot. And I am I am physically very strong, and I was yeah, physically very yeah. strong. But that was uh, that was some next I level. I put on crazy. like forty pounds with oh, my first. I hit yeah, I'm yeah. like you, you have to yeah. to like make the make babies, lo- yeah. multiple children. Oh, in there. yeah, I was like God. bovine. I had one child that was transverse so oh. um, horizontal like head on one side <gasps> feet on the other for nine months and the other one was straight up and down head out a little plus to sign right yeah, on your was, tummy uh-huh. when i say little i mean giant, giant bovine yeah oh it was fun. my gosh. i do remember seeing some colleagues that just you know you're you're kind of cute for a few months yeah yeah four or five then, months you know like but real the, just the look of disgust on people's faces like yeah. i should be hiding from the world i'm right. like oh honey yeah i might wear a crop top just to get that face going. <laughs> <I know. laughs> You're Do like, you know how humans are made yeah, like this? This is where you came from too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is funny how little it like uh, comes up in the professional world yeah. until you find the person. I, I The experience I have now is anytime I meet someone who has kids under five, there's this like, well, maybe under maybe under four. You like make eye contact. You're like, how's it going? And there's just like this deep soul reading of mm-hmm. like, we're just in hell right now, but like the happiest hell. It's so hard. Well, to you're in the fun moment right now. And again, you had three babies because you had your own company plus yeah. two tiny children. Um, but there is this, I look at photos from back then, like where you are yeah, today. Yeah. I don't recognize where we are. I don't know what I'm wearing. <laughs> I don't know, recognize the kids' clothes. I'm like, 
I have no idea who this family is. I'm pretty sure it's us. But you are just in absolute focus mode. And this is how humanity continues because all of those hormones make you crazy. Man, they make you focus. Like literally you need anything done, give it to Kristen because she's in it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's funny that you say that because I feel the opposite. I feel like my brain doesn't work. I feel like I am operating at like 60% and I am, I have a new job. And so like just desperately trying to perform and I'm like, oh, my brain feels like it's uber slow. Mm-mm. Just it's, like, what it's doing is filtering out all of the unnecessary things so you can focus <laughs> on the mammoth that's going to eat your children. <laughs> yeah. So you can get hyper-focused and everything fair. else when you're used to scanning the world, your brain's like, don't scan, just yeah. just go survival for a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a short bit. And I don't, I don't know that men go through it the, the same way. You know, when when the little one cries in the middle of the night, I I feel like I uh, I can like have a bottle in her mouth within like nineteen seconds, mm-hmm. and if it's like my partner's waking up, it's like bumbling around. Mm-hmm. For- Sorry, babe. <laughs> like three and a half minutes of just like can't I'm find. Brush my teeth first. Well, I'm like can't find things, and like I'm like I am so like I set it all up before I go to bed in case I need to wake up. And but your kids now are. Mm-hmm. So I have two sixteen-year-olds yeah. and a fourteen-year-old. They are giant humans. I'm yeah. almost the shortest in the family, <gasps> which is deeply upsetting. Wow. Um, but yeah, they're great. Yeah, they are uh, highly flexible fun to hang out with yeah challenging like it's it's pretty awesome yeah you got good teenagers got great teenagers that's good that is awesome i feel like i feel like most parents seem to like their teenagers now more than a generation ago i don't know i feel like a generation ago it was very common for people to be like oh just wait till they're 15 it's like they're great yeah yeah (laughs) parents seem to be like no they're they're okay (laughs) that's for you yeah yeah (laughs) They're learning hard things. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to human. Oh my goodness! It's hard and to it's human. really hard for this. I mean, this generation in particular, talking about scanning yeah. the world, like yeah. they their brains are just wired different. Yeah. And I think Gen Z, I have a lot of hope for the world yeah. because I think Gen Z are super thoughtful. They're empathetic. Like you know, yeah. there's and they have grown you know grown up in this hot mess soup of oh, social media. I know that the, like the amount of world that they see is is terrifying yeah it's terrifying to me to have i guess your kids are like in the midst of mm-hmm. trying to navigate all that yeah my daughter nearly fell over laughing when i told her about you know how body image issues came from you know the early days of magazines and yeah we yeah. were always surrounded yeah, by images yeah, yeah. And, she's, and she literally is on the floor laughing she's, she's like, like oh so for you a magazine you can put down yeah yeah right right well you can put your phone down too no you can't yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just willpower, Jane. There's nothing else. It's just willpower. That's all it is. It's, we, it's if we true. just had willpower. It's all about those. The world is delicious and distracting. Yeah. And as humans, that's where we go. Yeah. So Jane's already informing us that she is, in fact, human. Hey. Uh, we, we now We've we now established it. Woo-hoo. We've got that for sure. <laughs> now let's take a moment to talk about our exclusive sponsor, FS Vector relationships relationships one more time relationships one of the hardest parts of building a meaningful company in the world of finance is understanding what's actually happening in washington with agencies the administration everything going on on capitol hill who do you actually go to for what in the world of government in general it is just confusing we may want to think we're disconnected from the world of politics building companies but if we've seen anything this year it's that we're not 
We are very tied to it. The ability to pick up the phone and get an opinion from a decision maker in this world, in the world of politics, is worth its weight in gold. Those aren't calls just anyone can make. This is why I recommend FS Vector. Those are the relationships they have. They have partners and senior advisors that have been cultivating those relationships for decades. Some of them have even been on the show. You may know John Betchia. You may know Amy Friend. You may know folks like that. They've been around. They've started building those relationships before they needed them, which is exactly what I recommend anyone do with their government affairs slash policy strategy. Don't wait until it's too late. Get advisors, good ones even, good ones especially, only good ones, and the good ones are at FS Vector. Reach out to FS Vector, go into that contact us, and write in all caps at the top of the form, Zach sent me. FSVector.com and tell him Zach sent you. Uh, let's play Are You Frugal? So tell me a little bit about... Uh I mean, again, you lived in New York, but you lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. So do you think that set you up to like generally be like frugal or because you had sort of limited space, you would like opt to be more, ex- you know, expend more on things because you had less of it? Yeah, I didn't. So again, growing up in a yeah. family of eight kids yeah. with, you know, hand-me-downs. Yeah, lots of hand-me-downs. Yeah. Um, Grew to love thrifting, which I have passed yeah. on to the children. Wow. So um, on that respect, yes, definitely. Yeah. I, 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 I it's like a hobby. I can't, oh, I mean, it's hunting. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's sport. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. So uh, on that respect, and I think being in New York as well, when you see uh, I, a separate story around just my genesis, how I got into fintech uh, yeah. is related to this, but you know, I was fortunate to move to New York as a boss, right? So I knew yeah. what everyone was earning yeah. on the team yeah. and everyone was kind of struggling. And I was really like, mm, you got real shiny new shoes. You've got a really expensive bag. Your yeah. hair's blown out all the time. Yeah. Like, wait, how many? Fa- it's just like you spend mm. all of your money to make you look like this. And that yeah. was a really yeah. good just like, oh, how do I not spend all that money yeah. and still be able to show up in the world like a professional? So yeah. that's also kind of sport for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, for example, Gary in Chinatown in New York still does my hair 20 years later. <laughs> $25 blowout, 100 bucks, cut and color. Oh my god, Gary's amazing. Wow. I, wait, I'm not sharing his name because you can't have me not go there. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but Gary, find, get, we're going to bleep it. We're going to bleep, we're gonna bleep find it. Find your people Johnny, who can bleep. help you on that side of things. Um, thrifting. Yeah. I... Rent the runway sounds bougie, but it just means I don't buy clothes. I rent yeah. them and then they clean them. So that's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think there's frugality just around um, we we do a lot, like we travel a lot. Yeah. And that's where we'll spend money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the focused places to yeah. invest because and you think the returns are better. Totally. And yeah. I mean, it sounds super bougie that, you know, we ski every Sunday because we live in Utah. But a season's pass is the same price as like two, two full days yeah. of skiing. <laughs> so, Especially for locals. There's yeah. usually oh, yeah. like local deals. Oh, yeah, great. Reno has that. That's super awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to go on the frugality scale. I'm probably about a five out of ten. Okay, okay. Uh, what is the like luxury item in your life that you like spent way too much on <laughs> that you like know it's silly and that you like probably could have like gotten for less, but you love it? So I, I do love very beautifully made things. Yeah. So, for example, sitting here, I have a Hermes leather jacket on the yeah. back of my chair, yeah. um, which came by way of, going back to sport, a um, 
a estate sale mm. of a very wealthy woman who passed away who happened to be my size. Wow, you like are a real <laughs> Oh yeah. Like yeah. you're not hardcore. Like, oh like it was an God. online auction and I'm, I'm competing against consi- consignment stores and I I am going to get this jacket. <laughs> and that's the jacket I went on to get and then I went and bought a bunch of other stuff too, but like yeah. these are now generational yeah. pieces. So I love them deeply. Yeah. I thought I'd left my jacket behind somewhere once and I, oh. it was like leaving a child. I was like, no. Yeah. So I will I will hold on. I don't need a lot of them, but just a few things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hate thrifting. I It makes me so anxious when things don't match. <laughs> I After I had kids, by the way, I only wear black now. Oh, yeah. At least no, for now. I mean, I'm still yeah. sitting here in black. Yeah, I, I I can't wear colors anymore because I just like forgot. And never it's white. Too, yeah, never white. And it's just like too hard. It's too hard to think about. And so like I just wear black. Although but, a good life hack, put your like bathrobe over your clothes and don't take it off until you're like at the front door. Yeah. <laughs> that is a really good one. I get toothpaste on my shirt like way more than I'd like to admit. And then like one time Andrew was like, why don't you just like put your clothes on after you brush your teeth? I'm like, I can't. No, that doesn't make sense to me. I have to like be dressed. Like brushing my teeth is like the last thing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, thrifting just like because things don't match, mm. right? And so you've got this like, I don't know. You're 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 trying to pull together. Like you just kind of have to have a plan. <sighs> I would like to find a well-tailored black jacket. So you know what you're looking for mm. in advance. Maybe that's been my problem. Yeah. Even stores like Ross stress oh, me yeah. out Marshalls because and stuff like that it's yeah. too much stuff yeah like the sales section of old navy mm. i'm like i can't no. i can't even like process when i go in although again now you have multiple humans to dress i know gotta, i know it's a good way to do it like especially those little tiny children feet they grow out of shoes in a hot second and everything in the thrift store has been worn twice i know i know i i actually have my well the older one the younger one doesn't wear shoes yet but the older one like she wears like she gets like one pair of shoes i'm just like not willing to buy her multiple pairs i'm like you will wear these shoes and she has like a pair of white adidas <laughs> nice we would play like, like winter roulette it's like do yeah. we really need to buy snow boots, boots this, this year? year i know i bought some last year and they never got worn it like did not snow in new york and i was like oh, i don't know and I'm like, maybe they'll fit this. Yeah, no. right. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm not, not making those decisions very well right now. Um, okay, so five on the frugality scale. Are you big like travel spender? Or you get points because yeah. you yeah. just like, yeah. So, but traveling with the family of five is yeah. really expensive. So yeah. we actually do have an entire bank account that is just for travel. Love it. And Ooh, a credit hack. card had attached to that yeah. for when we're on the road. And I feel less bad about that then. It's just like, well, you know, we, you know, we have an income stream that goes into that account and if yeah. there's money in there, awesome. We're going to spend it. But it's not That's on cool. our regular money scale. Yeah. Yeah. Best trip you did with the family? It was Tokyo this year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Japan. We did Amazing. Tokyo and Kyoto and bullet training around Japan was fantastic. And I'm glad we waited until they were teenagers because yeah. they loved it. They can appreciate it a lot more. Oh, yeah. And, and they were that. able to go off and do their own thing. Like right. speaking of like yeah. safety and yeah, the fact yeah, that they yeah. could navigate the New York subway system, like yeah. Tokyo was easy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, nothing. Yeah. Efficient, fast, uh-huh. clean, mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. All those yeah. sorts of things. We also did on the other end of the scale, and this is more of a cautionary tale for you. Yeah. We used to do what we would call an adventure trip every year. <laughs> and it was my youngest first birthday. We went to Honduras, to <gasps> Roatan Island. And that was beautiful. It yeah. was a fantastic vacation, but yeah. he got some crazy jungle fever. And I was like, oh. we might have been pushing it a little <laughs> too hard as I had to go in a boat to a uh, to a jungle clinic to get a shot for him. <laughs> oh, that is very brave. Um, 
yeah, really great memories. But like at yeah. the time, yeah. See, we we went to like Miami with my first when she was like a year old, and we all got norovirus. <laughs> it's like all these pictures at the beach where it like looks beautiful no. and like and you're all feeling disgusting. We'd all been yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was gnarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope you're feeling good, Zach. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of puking. Speaking of throwing up everywhere. I want to talk a little bit more about your... Okay, this is not explicitly professional, but like maybe it's a bit of a bridge. When you started managing, what was like the hardest lesson you learned from like the biggest mistake that you made? I feel like every manager has these lengthy stories that are like really painful. So let's talk about it. So (laughs) I had been in Asia for a couple of years. I was working for a big French company. And uh, I was like, I, I'd started my master's before I left Australia. Uh-huh. And I just like literally shoved my whole house and my whole life on pause into storage yeah. and went on my supposed one-year contract. And I was like, maybe I should go back and finish my master's. And I'm in like my late 20s at this point, 27 maybe. Yeah. And uh, I went to my French boss and I was like, look, I'm thinking about going back to Australia and finishing my master's. And he's like, I can't do a good French accent. He's like, yeah. but I'm paying you <laughs> to learn. I was like, mm, you're not wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so I think it was that age I had a team of probably 120. Wow. And the whole, it was over, like it was over a bigger agency. Yeah. And we had um, a SARS outbreak in Hong Kong. Yeah. And uh, just that, deep, like, I want to be a good boss, I want to be a good right. leader, right. want to, you know, I understand that everyone's, it was like the early days of COVID here, we did no one knew no what one was going to happen. Right. And uh, that was, so we made decisions, and I would call my much more experienced managers around the region, I'm like, so people think they're going to die if they come to work. Yeah. What should I do? And literally everyone was like, good luck with that. <laughs> No one had anything. I was like, yeah. Awesome. And, and, and by the way, remote work, not an option. Not right? an option. The tools nope. did not exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'd made a policy of like, look, if, if there's any, if there's a SARS outbreak in the building, we're going to yeah. just shut down for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. But in the meanwhile, and I mean, Hong Kong's really good about yes. masking anyway. Yeah, so yeah, everyone yeah. was masked. Culturally, and, it's a lot easier to, yeah. 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 So hindsight, that was a mistake because we would have Friday afternoon get togethers and someone on the team ran into the entire company. It was like, someone in the building's got SARS. <laughs> and it was like a scene from a movie <laughs> with people screaming and crying oh. and thinking that they were all going to die. And I was like, we probably should have just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Because I like those, the work stopped, like similar to COVID, like work yeah. really stopped. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that was a really hard lesson to learn, but great ahead of COVID because I can remember having yeah. these conversations. Like when this You're goes like, down, I, it goes down real fast. Yeah. And we need to have yeah. all of the equipment and policies, everything in place. Right. And everyone's like, oh, we're ready. It's like, we're not ready. Yeah. You're <laughs> no like, ready. no, it's just not. Yeah. Every it just switch just like yeah. turns. But it was, it was the most fascinating thing was it was a lot of the senior people, like fellow leaders yeah. that almost got the most emotional. And that gave me a huge yeah. amount of empathy for other leaders. Because like most people are just making it up, right? Yeah. Especially things you've never been through before. Right, is right. like, oh, so you, you know, you're feeling personally mm-hmm. threatened, but also, you know, responsible for your team. Yeah. And yeah. it was very, very eye-opening. And yeah. this is in a different culture as well. It yeah. is traditionally yeah. non-confrontational. Right. You don't want to put people at risk, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, when COVID hit, I like, 
we we did i think it was it was like march 6th or something like that so we were i think we were on the early side but boston's fairly conservative right we were in boston and so like boston was pretty conservative around like all right we're not mm-hmm. going to push the limits on this and we were like all right it's like a tuesday night like we'll be back in like 10 days you know and like we're just being extra cautious and like it just but yeah i mean you're making you're making it up mm-hmm. and it is you know you're there isn't a good answer. And I think, I mean, the last couple of years of managing have just been like such a challenge around like all new territory going back, like staying, you know, and people obviously liking to work from home. Do you like to work from home? Um, I'm like a ridiculous extrovert. So I genuinely love being around people. So (laughs) I will, uh, I, I, I love the comfort of working from home, but I miss the adrenaline and I miss the spark. Which yeah. is just so hard to recreate. Yeah. It's, yeah, I hate working from home. I hate it. Like, I, I, I get, I get, I get why. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone was like, well, it's because you own a company, you're not an employee. Well, now I'm an employee. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Like, I like working in yeah. an office. Like, mm-hmm. now I understand people don't want to spend two hours a day in a car. Like, I, I get all that. I also understand the complexity of like, would my company have an office in Boston? Like, probably not. Yeah. Like, do I want to have to live in New York to like, so I, I, I totally get that, but the, I just miss people. I know. And I like, I miss, yeah, like the calls, you know, they're just too structured. They're draining. And that two-dimensional yeah. engagement is incredibly draining because yeah. like as humans, again, going back to prehistoric We are. Times, we are we human. look for humans. <laughs> you look for signals, right? You look for body language. You look for, you know, intakes of breath and things yeah. that you can't see and feel. When yeah, you're and you're not like cognitively processed. Like you're not aware that you're processing it, but you are absorbing it. And, and then you have a bunch harder. of people that, go on, like go off camera. And I was like, now it's even worse. (laughs) Oh my God. A pet peeve of mine is when people, and this is not my current role. This is sort of a general statement that I have seen over, over many years is when people are sort of like, okay, uh, I'm not getting communicated to enough about what's going on, but then you're on a call, Mm -hmm. their screens are off Mm -hmm. or you're aware Mm -hmm. that they're like, you know, they're in other tabs, like not paying attention. And it is such a pet peeve of mine because it is always those people who are like, well, we'd really like it if leadership could like share yeah. what we were working on could more. And you're just clarity. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you just have to listen, but they don't want to listen because mm-hmm. it's boring. Mm-hmm. It's boring. Yeah. And I like, I get that. And so, yeah, I think, I think it is so much more important than it used to be to be engaging in mm-hmm. presentations. And I think there are a whole lot of leaders right now who like, just status report out like this and use a very monotone, monotone. voice and like you're like okay mm-hmm. page sit you know hey that should be a requirement for people on stage here too sorry if you speak in monotone, talk in monotone you can't come yeah. don't care who you are because yeah. it's just like you lose the audience straight away I know like do you not care about what you're talking about right, right. <laughs> like are you not remotely excited about this I know. why did you get up today I know I think um I think Money 2020 has like this like head of content who like that gets, guy. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. About him. There's some yeah. guy who like does who does that. Who like looks. He for, has a lot of expression. He should make people pitch match it. I know. I know. He should do like a training. <laughs> I just I'm like picturing Zach on a stage with a room full of people Repeat and like having me. yeah yeah yeah. Make it's your great voice to be here. <laughs> Step across the stage. Open your body up. Use your hands, but not too much. Uh, Zach, let's, and oh, and like you could imagine it just being like this like big like dance off where people get like tapped on the shoulders. 
you're out. <laughs> so funny. All right. That's oh, I did have a, a insane experience once. We were at a conference and it was the uh, the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic was oh. our guest speaker. Cool. And he's like, is there anyone here whose birthday it is? And, you know, two yeah. people put up their hands, what's your name? And it's like, okay, everyone sing them happy birthday. Literally the saddest <laughs> thing in corporate world is a collective singing. I know. I know. And everyone feels all awkward and weird, right? And so he conducted us in this incredible, rousing rendition of Happy Birthday. (laughs) (laughs) So I can see Zach doing that. (laughs) That is so cool. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, no, it's that like horrifying moment. Like even as an extrovert, you're like, please please don't. Just wish me Happy Birthday. I know. (laughs) Just like give me a virtual high five like oh and then when it's like on zoom oh, even worse. you can't just you know just don't I yeah I I have a line so I I really like to stand up when I talk like on average if I'm like in a meeting and there's like 20 people and I'm so like I'll often stand up and the problem is people then think they need to clap and so I'm like <laughs> no it's just like because it like helps me get the blood flowing it like helps me feel like engaged and hopefully it makes it a little bit more engaging to watch I mean these worse things than being applauded for your work every day <laughs> yeah but it's like when you're, you're just, yeah. And so I often have to like finish and be like, don't set the precedent. Don't clap now. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, not, this is not about ego. It's just that I like, I like the blood flow. Like <laughs> to be able to like breathe, breathe deeply, yeah. you know, slouchy. I know, I know, I know. Zoom calls are just terrible for that. Okay. Works out management mistakes. Okay. All really important things. Best manager you ever had. Oh, uh, you know what? I have had the extraordinary privilege of just having the most incredible people. They're not paying you anymore, over. Jane. No, and that's the, I still love <laughs> you them. You don't have to suck up. I miss them. Oh, and like, that's wonderful. Yeah, I have, uh, and I actually feel bad naming these because there'll be people I forget, but... Um, oh, it's like an Academy called, Award. I know. I'd like to thank Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's now on Facebook, but like just magnificent leader. Yeah. Um, I had a, a leader who... <laughs> I'm going to infect everyone's brain with this from Stuart from probably 10 years ago where he was like, no one ever got rich from their salary. And I was like, oh, Stuart, you yeah. just ruined us all. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, because that's what <laughs> you all get the work thought towards. Out of your brain, right? 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 It's like, oh, if I only get a raise, then I'll be able to do these things. Right. And he's like, yeah, just you'll only ever get rich through equity. And yeah. I mean, I have a lot of seeds in my Genesis, Genesis story and that was definitely a really big, okay, fine, fine universe. Yeah. I'll go do something about this. Yeah. But that, um, yeah, like I have been extraordinarily fortunate to have leaders who are, you know, strategic and charismatic. And what's, what's, the, what's something that you think young managers could learn from those things now that you have sort of you know, the Hindsight. experience under your own now belt. I'm an old like, lady. <laughs> you have wisdom. You have wisdom, which I, every, every year I get older, the more I'm like, man, I wish I knew this when I was 25. Yeah. What, what are the, especially for newer and younger managers, what's yeah. like the big thing that like, cause it's easy to sort of be like, oh, they're strategic and empathetic. Yeah, that's not actionable. But yeah. Yeah. No, I think it is. I mean, you've said it, you look people in the eye. Yeah. Right. You ask questions. You, and it sounds so stupid, but learn people's names yeah. and remember them and use them. Yeah. Um, and it is one of my personal passions is getting people paid. Right? So yeah. I like to see, you know, money flowing into the hands of the people who are doing the work and yeah. creating value. Yeah. And when you show up and you show that and you demonstrate it and you, people see it comes through, yeah. they, like, that's what they're at work for. I mean, yeah. for a minute, for their salary, for reasons, <laughs> to not get rich, but they, to make a salary, well, necessarily get rich, but to bring a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a quality of life that will match their aspirations. Like, and yeah. to understand what aspirations are, to understand where their passions are is not, yeah. you know, it might sound fluffy, but it's, 
it's not that hard. Right? Yeah. You learn all sorts of random things about people. Just remember it and, yeah. and use it. And then the yeah. other really big thing, this might sound really stupid, but teach people how to business. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, you might be good at your one thing, you know, mm-hmm. coding or designing or whatever it may be. Yeah. Everyone should be able to understand what a balance sheet is. Everyone should be able to, yeah. you know, at least skim a contract mm-hmm. and understand, oh, okay, so this is the legal framework that we work in. This is the financial right. framework that we work in. This is the industry-wide, just shout out to Money 2020. It's really good to come here and see what's going on in the industry. Totally. And if you're not interested in the industry you're in, change industries. Yeah, you know, it, it is just like shocking to me. And it, it happens a lot in big tech where you get people who will just sort of like Float between mm-hmm. companies, and I was at I was this, in healthcare, and now I'm in financial yeah, stuff. and then now I'm in AI, business. and then I, and it's like, well, I I guess that's fine, but I yeah, I don't know how to work on something that I don't care deeply mm-hmm. about, and I think being yeah, being able to like, I don't know, I, I, we talked about this when um, we talked to Simon Taylor. It was like, how do you build curiosity? Mm-hmm. Is there is there any way to build that mm-hmm. as a manager, as a leader? Like, how do you how do you get people to like want to know more? I I. I I haven't done this in a while, but I always used to get people to articulate what value do you bring into our big chain of our business? How are you adding yeah. value to the business? And usually they'd answer with their job spec. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> that's the that's the cost of entry. Right. That's what gets you paid. Right. But how are you right. actually add value? Yeah. Right? Are you out there in the world advocating for the company? Are you, you mm-hmm. know, thinking about things? Are you engaging with people online to learn like right. what they learn? Right. right. That's how you bring value. Yeah. 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 I think I think there's like a Great managers genuinely care, mm-hmm. and I think like it's not it's not to say I didn't care, but I think like sometimes as a founder it can be really it's difficult really to manage mm-hmm. the like the manager side with the business owner side, and I think mm-hmm. it's really it's not that you don't like hypothetically care, like you do, and you, yeah. you you definitely want people treated well, but sometimes I think that balance and it's what I learned after a couple of years was like hiring for people who report to a founder. Need to understand that they need to understand that I am not just your manager. I am the person who is responsible for keeping the business alive. And there is no they. It is just me, (laughs) right? And as much as I like want you to grow in your career, I will not tank this company Mm -hmm. for your you know professional opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that was something that was really hard for me. So I'm I'm excited to be in a bigger company now because I feel like you can develop a little bit more of that empathy outside of the yeah. like the mandate to keep the company the alive. white knuckling yeah but i mean yeah. i love working with people who have been founders and we were at the ally event on monday night yeah. and there's so many again shout out to laura and what she's built there i remember the I first know. one there was like 10 of us I <laughs> and know. it's just that like 400 event is women one of my so favorite it is really yeah. the alloy women in fintech event yeah. shout out yeah absolutely uh-huh. wonderful must attend but like yeah. there was a number of women there who were like you know, they'd started companies, now they're with mm-hmm. other companies. And it's just a completely different mindset. Yeah. Once you've once you've been on that journey, you can't go back to yeah. being a regular employee because you take <laughs> For better like, or worse. <laughs> it is like this ultimate responsibility that's yeah. really hard to go, oh now I can just punch a clock. It's like right. none of them are punching clocks. Right. Right. Yeah. It's and yeah, founders and former founders, just there's a is an energy and an optimism and like it, it, it spoils you sometimes. Yeah. I, I snuck into some of the VC happy hours because I like the founders. So I, I told this story to someone, but I, I saw these two kids here, I think were probably 19 or something like that. Just like- You just want to hug them. I know. It's <laughs> them, like the mom instinct is real strong. And like, I was like so proud of them. They like yeah. pitched me their, their company and they started with my generation. And I was like, oh. <gasps> 
was so it. sweet. But like, and I, I don't say that in a way of like, they- It's not they, patronizing. Right. It's like, amazing. It, they, they may change the world. Mm-hmm. And like, if nothing else, they're getting the reps and like, they're spending the time and they're building the network. And I like have so much respect for that. But there is a little bit of the like, the suit's a little too big. And like, it's just like so <laughs> cute. Like, so yeah. I, but I think if you yeah. think like a founder and it sounds like such trite advice, but even if you've never started anything, yeah. it's just a different hat to put on and say, if this was my money, yeah. Would I be doing this? Right. right. And the answer is usually no. Right. It's someone's money. <laughs> right. Someone created this value. Right. So is this the right thing as a, you know, yeah. a custodian and as a fiduciary? Right. Like, is this, and, and frankly, everyone should think like a fiduciary. Yeah. I had the benefit of being a, you know, registered investment advisor, totally. like doing security. Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, we were and the well. minute yeah. that you realize what a fiduciary standard is, it's like, oh, that's right. Someone worked really hard for that dollar. Huh. I have to take this really seriously. Uh, I don't know if SBF is listening to uh, I know. But... I'm in the middle of that book and I want to throw it against the wall every <laughs> other page. Know. It's infuriating. Oh, yeah. It is really, yeah, it's uh, something else. But, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so final question. What is it all about? Oh, man. Um, I hike a lot now living in Utah and yeah. I do love the, you know, leave no trace. But I actually would add to that and say, leave everything better than you found it. And that's with relationships, it's with businesses, it is with the world generally. Yeah. And it is a ever-changing standard, which, mm-hmm. you know, continually raising the bar around, you know, how do we make this, whatever it may be, better? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to have an awesome family, to have incredible friends, to have had an amazing career. And, but that has really been at the foundation of it. How do yeah. we, how do we make this better? Yeah. Right. It's not that it's bad, yeah. but how do we make it better? Right. And those are the people you want to spend your time with. Mm-hmm. And those it, are, it's them. The, yeah. Yeah. It's the, it, it's, I mean, you know. Ask, hey, what's it all about not. to you? What's it all about to me? Um, I, I, I maybe it's a, a similar sort of answer, but, um, to me, the purpose of, of life and, and everything is, is not happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, creating value. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean that in so many different ways, right? Like you can be a, a parent and that is your career and your investment mm-hmm. and you are creating a huge amount of value. Mm-hmm. You can be- We need good humans. Right. A, a school teacher or a nurse or an electrician, right? Like all of these things are critically important, but like it is the mental framework of like happiness is such a like selfish objective mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah, of it's all like, about you. Yeah. It's like, who's, you know, what's happening to make me feel good? And, mm-hmm. and I feel, and it, there's so much, I, I'm going to make fake, fake research. I'm going to make it up right now. I am certain that there is research that says like, when you like volunteer, you know, you're happier. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's kind of that concept of like, when you're creating value mm-hmm. for others. Contributing. So happiness is the effect. It's not the, like the thing that you're like seeking. It's the like creating value is the mm-hmm. thing that we're after. So that's, that's, very similar, I guess. That's so know. funny. It's not surprising. I, that it's not we... surprising at all. I have a, a couple of brothers in finance and we've had this circular argument for a really long time around yeah. who creates value in the world and who extracts yeah. value. And, yeah. you know, there is a very large portion of this industry that is rent-seeking and fee-based totally. and I'm just going to take a crumb out mm-hmm. of that payment as it flies through the air. It's like, did you add any value to that? Right. Or just took it because you could. Right. And it is the thing that makes me craziest in these things because I think in that very binary way. Yeah. Like, how are you adding value versus how are you just extracting, right? Right. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And and yeah, I think there is, it's, it's interesting at, a, at a, an event like this where you have the entire <laughs> industry here uh, to ask that question. So um, 
Thank you so much, Jane, our our bestie. We will we will have a second version. We will have <laughs> we will have a redo yeah. with Zach at some point. Yes. We will meet up in some fabulous city. Maybe we'll do it in Kuala Lumpur. Wait, where's the where's the Asia event? Is it in Bangkok? I think so. Let's do it. Let's go to Bangkok. Let's, go. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right, Zach, you got to fly us out. <laughs> Just so we can do this again with you. It's because you're sick. That's right. That's the price of yeah, entry. Price you pay. You're going to put us on main stage and we're yeah. going to talk for like four hours. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Thank you, everyone. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jane. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a wonderful episode Thanks. of FinTech Family Hour. Are you human? Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're still listening, you're probably reaching for your phone to pick your next podcast or switch to music or just call it a day because you can't believe how much valuable information you just took in. But before you pick that next thing, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends and all that jazz. Generally scream from the rafters about how much you love FinTech Family Hour. Thank you again to our sponsor, FS Vector. And until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, your costs low, and I love you all.